Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to Perspective Transformation Radio, enjoying its 10th anniversary, often the number one live airing broadcast on Blog Talk Radio, and reaching a global audience of over 185,000 listeners. During this hour-long interview-style program, you'll meet Perspective Transformers, who come to share their most pivotal, life-changing insights and aha moments, offering you instant access to life, leadership, and God-loving seismic shifts of your own. We encourage you to invite friends to join you here now, or share quotes with attribution, and also reach out to our sponsor, WomenSpeakers.com. WomenSpeakers.com is the most popular online connecting place for Christian event planners and Christian women speakers since 2002. I'm your host, Marnie Swedberg, and I encourage you to grab a notepad and get ready to meet today's Perspective Transformer. Welcome, welcome. This is Marnie, and today our guest is Michelle Metlock-Adams. She is an inspirational speaker and best-selling author with more than 4 million in book sales, garnering over 40 industry awards. Michelle loves helping others accomplish their publishing dreams. She's here today to talk to us about how to increase your sales and enjoy the journey. During this hour, you're going to discover an easy way to break into the children's book market, how to promote your books all year long, the secret to selling over 4 million books, the importance of finding a new way to share a tired topic, how to overcome fear and step out of your comfort zone and write in a category or genre you've never even written in before, the importance of remaining teachable so you'll continue to grow and learn new skills, the value of learning from those who are better than you, how to be the professional publishers, business people, media folks, and conference directors, be that person they want to work with, and how the secret to enjoying the journey on the way to where you're going, as well as why you can be good at lots of things, but you can only be great at a few. Welcome to you, Michelle. (laughs) Thank you so much for having me. Well, it's great to have you, and um, your your story is quite remarkable. You guys, when you go on Amazon and look at her author page, it goes on and on and on and on and on. <laughs> <laughs> and not just children's books. You have a lot of books for a mom. Oh, yeah. In fact, what do you say, like when people say, what genre do you write in? How do you answer that question? Well, it takes me a bit. I say, well, I I have over 90 books, and half of them are for children, and half of them are for um, moms and grandmoms and just women of faith. So, Mm -hmm. um, but it's really funny because I also do ghostwriting, so I do a lot of leadership books for people, and I've written books for celebrities, though you'd never know it. So it's really like I'm kind of the jack of all Mm -hmm. trades, and I love it. Wow, that is so cool. So actually, we're just going to dive right in, right at the top here, and ask you, what is the secret to selling over 4 million books? <laughs> well, I mean, if I could bottle it, that would be amazing. I could do it for every so single one of titles, right? Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> it, it, it's just been, um, it, I tell you, I've learned, because I've been in the industry 20 years now, and so I, I really can't lie about my age anymore, because <laughs> if you start doing the math, you know, I didn't start when I was seven or eight. But the thing about it is I was able to sell over 4 million books simply by doing some promotion and publicity strategies and really just being obedient to walk through the doors that, that got open for me. It helps to work with your publisher. Um, I, I started with Ideals. Um, it was Ideals Children's Books back in the day. And then, you know, everybody buys everybody up. So then Guideposts bought them. And then I was able to be a, a blogger for Guideposts as well as write children's books for Guideposts. 
And so that really increased my platform because I get, you know, over 2 million hits a day. And then after that, um, Guidepost uh, sold it to Hachette. I'm sorry, to Worthy. Worthy bought it, and then Hashette bought Worthy. So I've been with them since, wow. since Ideals, like, you know, gosh, 15, 18 years now. And a couple of my books have continued to sell well. Um, there, It's a series called What is uh, Christmas? What is Easter? What is Thanksgiving? What is Halloween? And my recent ones, What is America? And it is so funny, Marty, those books, that What is Easter was first, and then What is Christmas? Those two books alone paid for my daughter's college, like my oldest daughter when she went to school, mm-hmm. just royalty on those books alone. Because here's the thing, they're evergreen books. Every single year, those sell well. And, they, and they've been in Targets and Walmarts and Sam's and Costco's and Myers and TJ Maxx and all kinds of places you wouldn't even expect to find books. They've just been every single year, I get a royalty check on those, and they continue to sell lots and lots of copies because new readers are born each year. So that's kind of the neat thing about, about a, a, an evergreen book, a book that continues to sell each holiday season. You get a new group of readers. These kids grow up, and then they have kids. I mean, I'm now in second generation kids. It's just, it makes me feel really old, but it's really great for book sales. So I love it. Because if it's <laughs> you loved as a kid, you want to give to your grandkids and kids, right? So, right. Um, yeah. Hmm. So did you start with children's book? Was that your first book? It, I didn't. I started with, because I was, my background is in journalism. And actually I was a sports writer at the newspaper when God kind of called me out to do more writing for him. And I started doing, uh, my first book was a parenting book. It was called Little Lessons from a Big God, Finding mm-hmm. Ways to Parent Your Children While God, God Parents You or something like that. And then they redid it into Little Blessings from a Big God. So my first book really was, I used to help my sister teach Bible study. She was, she's a pastor's wife and an amazing speaker herself. And so she would, she would lead the Bible study. And I was her scripture looker-upper. You know, she'd say, we need Romans 8. I'd be like, I, I'm on it. Like, I was that girl. So <laughs> okay. Spoke, right until she uh she would have to mm-hmm. go travel and do something ministry wise and then i'd be in charge and all of a sudden i went from scripture looker upper to the person teaching the bible study and mm-hmm. i would share stories uh, you know my stories from my own life and i had two little girls at home so pretty much my entire world was just my children at that, that moment and people would say man that really spoke to me you should write that down i thought well i am a writer so i did and th- those stories became that book so that was really my first book and then I had Living Love Chapter after that with the same publisher. And I just continued to write devotionals, Daily Wisdom for Mothers. And meanwhile, I really, I just fell into the whole children's writing thing. The magazine in Texas that I was working for, it's a kind of a crazy story. They hired me as this person to do feature, write, feature writing, which is what I did best, really. That was kind of my, the thing I was most comfortable in and the thing that I loved doing. Um, but the, our guy that wrote the children's got promoted to a different department. He was running all the techie stuff. And they needed somebody to help out with the children's page. And apparently I was the only other one on staff that had kids that were young. So my, my boss said, you have children, right? I said, yes, I have two little girls. And he said, great, you can write the children's page. And I said, listen, just because I have them doesn't mean I know how to write for them. So right. <laughs> I figured that out. But, and that's how I really fell into the children's market and then realized I could do some books out of that. But the, back to your question about selling the $4 million, I think there are so many things that we don't do as authors. You know, people who published long ago like I did back in the early 2000s, the publicist at, at your publishing company did a lot of it. And you kind of just, could just go to the next book. But that is no longer the case. We have, that's why we speak. That's why we do things like this. And so um, I think there's a couple of ways to really get your message out there. But, you know, the problem is a lot of writers are introverted. <laughs> so they don't they don't take advantage of speaking opportunities or just getting yourself in the, in the news. And one thing I always suggest to people, I teach a class about this, 
about how to get your own publicity, nobody's going to be more passionate about your message or your book than you are. So it's great to have a publicist, but you need to be your own best publicist. And you need to create a buzz about that book before it comes out, after it comes out, after it's been out a while. You need to always refresh it. And so that's what I'm always doing. I'm looking for news hooks or topics in the media, any kind of trend going on, and seeing how I can attach any of my books to that. So uh, an example of that is uh, this summer, right around July the 4th, I I was watching Fox News, and there was uh, a whole broadcast that were talking about how America is lacking patriotism. And in the polls, it was that we scored the lowest we've ever scored as a nation in overall patriotic hearts. And it just made me so sad. I thought, oh, I didn't want to hear that. That's not what you want to hear, because I'm so patriotic and so blessed to be an American. But I had a new book that had just come out called What is America? It's it's continuing that series that did so well for me. And it's all about that. It's about celebrating that you're an American. And, you know, kids don't grow up saying the pledge anymore. It's about, you know, knowing the words to the pledge and standing when they play our national anthem and that we all have a voice, even though we don't always agree. And and isn't that wonderful? And I mean, it's just beautifully illustrated by Amy Wilmer. I love that book. So that book had just come out. So I took that poll and I did a little Facebook Live on it. I talked about boy, I just heard this on Fox News. Maybe you've heard the same poll today. And, you know, I hate there have to be another national tragedy like September 11th to bring all of us together to be unified like we were those few months after that. Why don't we do that now? And I just used a few scriptures and prayed over everybody. And then at the end, of course, I I read my book, What is America? Because I can't get through without crying. And so I read it. And you cannot believe how many shares that got. I didn't do it for that reason. I did it because I was passionate about it. But I realized, hey, this works. People really like that. And so I, I, I wrote a press release and started sending it out to all the different newspapers and media outlets that I've already got relationship with. And that just gets shared. You know, once the wire picks up, it goes everywhere. Those are things that you can do with your own books and your own um, messages. If you've got some speaking topics that might, that might relate to something that's in the news, well, then write your own press release. Do your own Facebook Live videos. Let, let the, what's already trending work for you. Mm. Yeah, and and what is you you had mentioned that you had an easy way to break into the children's book market. If somebody wanted to do that, what is that? Yes, right now nonfiction is the way to go. Everybody that I, I do a lot of one-on-one consultations at writers conferences where I am on faculty, and you know everybody has a cute little fiction story. And, and listen, I, I love to write children's fiction as well. That's great. But I think because I was a journalist, that's that's what I was trained in when I went to college at. Indian University that I was journalism major. So I love nonfiction. I mean, I, I love to, to report the truth. If you can write nonfiction for children and make it interesting and funny, you will never be without work. Every I was just at the Book Expo America in New York this past May doing a book signing, actually signing What is America? And my other book, Dinosaur Devotions, that had just come out with Tommy Nelson. And while I was there, I, I visited all the different booths. And so even publishing companies that didn't have a nonfiction children's line, have they now have one. Because there's a, there's a huge homeschool market. Everybody's wanting that. You, they, you can't have to get enough. So, I mean, if you, like I just did a consultation with a gal who is a retired math teacher. And so she's written a couple of cute little math books teaching kids math, but it's actually a story. It's got a story arc and everything, but it teaches math. She'll sell those all day long. I mean, I, was, I immediately had her, I talked to her about my agent. I got those two in touch. I guarantee you he's going to sign her because she has a specific thing that the market's looking for. So if you can write nonfiction, you can do biographies. If you can write about um, things in history and put a little spin on it and write well, then you can be published all day long. Nonfiction is the easiest way to break into children's right now. Very cool. Good to know. Good to know. (laughs) And what is the importance of finding a new way to share a tired topic or how do you go about doing it? Boy, and then I mean, you, you know what? Math, you know, math, and then yeah. she has these stories. 
cute little stories, yeah, and that's working. I think um, there are so many genius ways to do that. But um, the best example I can think of is I'm in a group called the Nonfiction Ninjas. Isn't that a funny title? Mm-hmm. But it's, there's about like 11 it. of us from across the country. These are kind of the who's who in nonfiction and children's writing. Peggy Thomas and Nancy Sanders. And we both, a lot of us write both in the Christian market and the ABA secular market. So you can do nonfiction in both. But there's one of the women in our group. She is just, she's just an amazing writer. So many of them are. But I think her book probably really answers that question better than I could answer with one of my own. Her name is Nancy Chernin. And she did a book called uh, Martin and Anne, and it takes the lives of Martin Luther King Jr. and Anne Frank and, and tells their stories in such a unique way. They were both born the same year on different continents, and it talks about, like, their kindred spirits. I mean, it, it's just such an amazing parallel story. Who would ever think to do that, that she just happened mm-hmm. to find out that they, that they had the same birthday and, like, they, they had the same – you know, they both were, were victims of racism, and they both, they both had lots, lots of struggles in life. So she tells this story in such a surprisingly successful way that you can't help but love it. That is a way to tell – there's been a million biographies written about both Anne Frank and Martin Luther King Jr., but nobody's ever tied them together because who would do that? Like, that's, that is so interesting. So Creative. that was really smart, right? That's the way you do that. Another friend of mine did one. Um, it's called Farmer George Plants a Nation. And it's about George Washington, the President George Washington. Okay, well, when you think of George Washington, you think of the cherry tree, right? And, you know, they never told a lie in the um, crossing the Potomac. You think of those images. I never think of George Washington as a farmer. Did you? Like, right. No, never. never. But, no. but this, this whole book is about his farming and how, how innovative it was. And that as he grew these crops, he grew a nation. It's just brilliantly told by a lady named Peggy Thomas. Those are just some things you can do. You can take a tired topic put a new spin on it, find something, find one aspect when you're researching somebody's story or a topic that maybe has been mentioned before but not brought out as the main, the main twist, and then just go with that. I think research is your best friend. You could be researching something else, and I'm sure you've done this. You research for one thing, you're going there really specifically to get one piece of information and discover all this other stuff, and you're on this website right. for four hours, <laughs> and you're like, what happened? Why is it dark? Right? <laughs> the whole afternoon. But sometimes that research is, is just it's these nuggets that will be whole new spins on how you can talk about a topic that's, you know, actually kind of tired. So I think that that's how you do it. You find new ways to talk about things that have already been told. Like how many books have you, are there on faith? A million books on faith. Well, my, my co-author, Bethany Jett, and I, we have a new book coming out, um, actually it, October 1st. So it comes out really soon. And it's called Platinum Faith. Well, what we did is we took the metal platinum I mean, you know we love some platinum jewelry, right? <laughs> we took the metal platinum and all the different properties that, that are with platinum. I mean, when we studied it out, it was crazy. Like platinum is very malleable, you know, like, and that's when our faith to be, we want to be, it'll be shaped like, like uh, on the potter's wheel. It's, um, very, uh, it's very corrosive, like, I mean, not corrosive, but it resists corrosion. So what happens is, you know, that's great. That's a great parallel to faith. Um, it's very rare and valuable, which, of course, that's how God sees us. There's so many things about it that we thought, man, this will preach. And we got, every time we were like, oh, it, it can withstand great heat. Well, see, we can take the pressure when we were walking close right. to God. <laughs> so on that's how you do it. You just, you just find all those, those weird, those different quirky ways to talk about an old topic. Yeah. So what would you say to the listener who's like, I think I'd like to write in a different genre than I've written in before, but I'm just too scared. What would you say? I would say you better go for it. I think it's, you know, in our, it, seriously, in our industry so many times, and I'll talk to them at conferences, 
you'll say, well, aren't we supposed to brand ourselves? And there is a whole teaching on that, and there, there is some, a method to that madness, and I, I'm certainly not dissing that. There's, that is a good thing to have a brand and people recognize you, that you become recognizable in the space. But doesn't mean that you can't do other things. So, for instance, I, because I have written for children, I know how to tell a, a story in, in very few words. That's part of the power of children's books. You don't get, you know, 55,000 words. You might get 600. So you better be able to say a lot with few words. Well, because I could do that for children and because I could do that as a newspaper reporter, you know, they only give you 15 column inches. You better not do 18 because it's going to end up on the cutting room floor. Like you can't, you have to hit your word count. So I was, it made me a really great devotional writer. Who knew? I mean, I, I could, I can write devotions all day long because I know how to say a lot in few words. You may only get 250 to 400 words for a devotional. So um, I, I just kind of ventured into that market and found out, man, I, I can do this. I didn't know I could ghostwrite. In fact, Marnie, I didn't even know what ghostwriting was. When I, when I was at the magazine and they said I was going to be doing ghostwriting, they, you know, my boss called me in and told me, you know, we really need to do some ghostwriting because um, we need assistance in this. I, it was like, I mean, a cow staring a new gate. I had no idea what he was talking about. I said, do you mean like the Holy Ghost? <laughs> <laughs> He's like, well, no, that's, you know, right? I'm like, well, I have that. That would be helpful. He said, no, it's, it's not that. So he explained what it was to me that, you know, you're going to take somebody else's teaching, somebody else's words, somebody else's when they've, they've done a, a workshop or, you know, given a sermon, and take it and put it into a magazine article or book form. So I, I, I kind of thought about it. I said, so you mean I've worked my entire career to find my voice, you know, in writing. That's what they told us right. in journalism school. Now I've got to lose my voice and find somebody else's. Is that what you're telling me? He said, that's it. I'm like, oh, well, piece of cake. I mean, right? That's completely backward thinking. But I found out I was good at that. It's kind of like putting together a big puzzle, all the things they said and, and how to really make it sound like them and to listen to their voice over and over so that, you know, how they phrase things and the cadence of their voice and even the way that, that, they, that they enunciate things will help me when I'm writing, like what words to choose. I love it because it takes research, and that's, that's how my brain works. But I would never try that if, if I hadn't been forced to. So I think just step outside of your comfort zone. I think that here's the biggest thing. Quit telling everybody, well, I only write this, unless God told you that. If God didn't tell you you only write this, then you should not define yourself. Let God define you. He may have huge blessings for you and to, and to your future readers, but you just said no to it because you were afraid to try something new. Don't be afraid. Step out in faith. Hmm, absolutely. I love that. And uh, you are so unique. There's just nobody else that thinks like you do. And so I'm thinking of a couple examples of people who are really specific. Uh, my friend Becky's son, Luke, when he was tiny, he wanted to be a Navy SEAL. And all of their vacations, all his growing up years, they were going skydiving or deep sea diving, whatever he needed to learn to become a Navy SEAL. And when he was adult, guess what? He became, you know, a different, uh, like the Army branch of the Army, but he became basically a Navy SEAL. He knew that from the time he was teeny tiny, and that was what he was going for. Whereas other people really are jacks of all trades. You can do all kinds of things. And then it's important for you to not say, well, I need to pigeonhole myself into this one little thing because somebody told me I had to brand myself. That's another thing. You know, I'm, I'm with you. There is so much value to it if that's what God's called you to. But if he hasn't called you to do that, then be just as broad as he has created you to be and just trust him. Um, Amen. One of the things that you do really well and that you really encourage people to do is keep learning. <laughs> mm-hmm. Amen. I, I, I tell you, I've learned that from the best. I once read something, and I, I, I don't even know who to attribute it to because I think several important people in my life have said it, um, people I look up to in the industry. But, you know, if you're the smartest person in your circle, it's time to get a new circle. 
that's a really great quote, right? And so I've always I've always thought about that. It's great to be that person in the circle to maybe who is the smartest or has the most experience and to encourage those and you know, to reach down and help those to come up to your level. But if that's all you're doing and that's the blessing, but you're gonna run out of stuff to tell them because you're not gonna know anything new. So I always aspire to, to learn and something new every year and you know, to continue to grow and you know but it's easy to rest on your laurels when you've got you've done a lot of books or you've you know accomplished some things that all the some of the goals you already had and it, you know I've got grandbabies now I'd like just to sit and rock my grandbabies and go fish with my husband and those kinds of things and I still do all that but I think I had to make the decision even in the last couple of years as the industry's been changing do I want to, con- to God you know God do you still want me to do this or am I done like I wasn't sure because you know I just turned right. 50 so things I was like I, you know, if you're done with me I'm cool with that like I I have been so excited to do this, and, I, and, I'm, and I'm thankful that you're able to use me. But I'm, I'll be happy either way because I'm just happy in you. But if you still want to use me, then you just continue to confirm that and open the doors. And boy, did he. In fact, I've, I've had more speaking engagements and more travel and more book uh, contracts in the last three years than I've had in all my life. So, I, he, hmm. you know, he'll answer it in a big way. <laughs> so I've got to take my vitamins. I've got to keep healthy because this is crazy, crazy time. <laughs> so I think that it really is you just have to keep learning. I I always want to be in, with people who can teach me more. And you know, there are things that I think you have to have limits. Maybe you're like me. Like I, there are things I know I'm really good at, and so I can get better in those. But there are also things that, like, I just don't want to learn. Like there's a couple of things, about, these techie things about um, my blog and some of these coding things. And I did try to learn them. I watched a couple of YouTube videos. I, I bought a book, and I, and I, and I spent about mm, three or four days with that. And at the end of it, I was just frustrated and really still didn't know what I was doing. So I finally said to a friend of mine, I'm like, why don't we trade out work, and you can do all that for me, and then I'll do this other thing that she needed me to do for her. Oh, it was brilliant. She was thrilled. I was thrilled. We still have that arrangement right. because right. you have to figure out where, where your gifting is and don't. If you really can't, if something's really a challenge, then hire it done. Or maybe maybe somebody young in your church can help you or, you know, a, a niece, a nephew, a, a daughter, somebody that's, that they grew up with all that techie stuff because I didn't. And so uh, that was too challenging. But, yes, I'm, I'm willing to learn everything that's going to be beneficial. <laughs> I think this is a huge point. I want to just stop here for a moment and just talk about it because this is pretty confusing for all of us from time to time is which things should I actually learn how to do and which things should I outsource? Should I get somebody to help me with? And I like to use, I just like to use for myself the litmus test. Uh, And I always do kind of learn the basics of it, whatever it is, so that I at least know, you know, like how to use a phone. You know, you basically, (laughs) you got to know how to use the next thing that's coming at you. But once it gets beyond that, then I ask myself the question, is this something I'm going to actually go into? Am I going to go into providing this service for other people, mm-hmm. teaching it, um, you know, whatever? Am I going to go into it, or does this just need to be done? And that's mm-hmm. a really big distinction there. If, for instance, if you're going to learn a new genre, a new genre of writing, uh, going into a different field, you actually have to learn that. You don't get to just, you know, outsource the whole learning curve no. thing. But if you're going to have a website built and you're not going into website building, definitely have somebody do it for you. Amen. And that's exactly what I did. <laughs> because, you know, and, and now I'll say like my co-author, Bethany, we have a couple of books that are coming out this year. She, she is younger than me by about 15 years and she knows all of that. So sometimes I'll just say to her, I don't really know how to fix this. Can you help me? And she'll help me really quickly. But most of that stuff, 
I mean, I will take you some of my advance money or, you know, maybe some money I have from speaking. I set it aside knowing I'm going to put that back into my career to, you know, to maybe it's going to be to hire somebody to help me grow my Twitter following. Or maybe it's going to be to hire somebody to, you know, I don't know, something else. Like you said, build a website or update things. Um, some of the things I, I have done is I've taken some courses that were very inexpensive, some were even free, about how to grow my platform. Like how do I get more Instagram followers? Not the kind you buy, you know, but the kind, like how do I get them to follow me? How do I get those targeted readers? How do I build an email list? I don't necessarily need to know how all of that works, the MailChimp and all that, but I do need to know how I can do that so that I can provide the copy and the, um, the opt-ins. I can create that for the person who puts that together for me. So I, you're, it's exactly what you said. We do what we know to do, and then the stuff we don't really have to know how to do, we hire it then <laughs> or trade out work either way. Okay. And then I want to just dive into one more just aspect of this before we leave this topic here is that when you're having people do things for you, and I'm sure I'd like you to address this about ghostwriting for people, but I, when you're having people do things for you, for example, building a website, making a promotional video, uh, coming up with a logo like that, anything that you're having people do for you, the more clear you can be about what you need and want, what you like and dislike, the more chances they're going to be able to actually succeed in in serving you in that way. And the reason I say that is because the world is such a big place now. They can try and they can they can throw you 100 or even 1,000 uh, things your way and you may not see one thing you like, even though someone else would say, awesome, love that. And so I think it's really important that as we talk about bringing other people into our into our, I call it a corral, where you have these people who are helping you, um, it's so important to get clear. When you're working with somebody for the first time as their ghostwriter, do you find that there are people that are just make it real easy for you? And if so, what are they doing? That is, yes, and that's a great question. Yeah, I've, and I've had some that didn't, and that was more challenging, and some that, that were just wonderful. And the way, and you're exactly right, the way that it becomes easier is the more um, information they can give me, the better. So I will always say to the new client, send me everything you've ever said about this topic. I mean, even if you think it's not good, I want I need to hear what your voice is. Because what I'm going to do is I'm going to put all of that on my – I'm going to download all of it and listen to it while I, when I go hiking. I'm going to listen to it when I'm getting ready in the morning. I'm going to start getting their voice in my spirit so I can just really hear how they say things. And, and then I also want – I'll usually have transcripts of everything they've said about that topic that we're doing the book about. So that's really helpful. The other thing that's also helpful is if you have access to that person. When, if I'm ghostwriting for a celebrity or a politician or somebody that's, that's kind of hard to get to, and I'm best friends with their assistant, but I never talk to them, it's great that I have a new friend, but it's not so great that I can't get to the person that I really need to hear from them. So I always say, I know you're busy, I'm busy, but let's set times, you know, let's, let's get our calendars out, and let's set specific times so we know what to expect. We have an objective for this particular call. These are things we're going to go over, so it's not just going to be willy-nilly. We're not just going to catch up about kids and stuff. There will be time for that. But let's have, you know, for, for busy people, let's figure out these are the three objectives for this phone call. I'm going to come prepared. You need to come prepared so we can exchange information and be done with it because that, that's how you can get access to the people that are super busy. And if I can get those objectives done in that call, then I can move to the next chapter. It's really important that there's an objective for each time that you talk and that, that everybody's on the same page. I think it's, it's so great to have summaries after you've done the call, um, if, for ghostwriting, these are the things I took away from this. Um, tell me if, there, if you have a different interpretation of it, that kind of thing. And when I had the guy do my um, website, he's amazing. But 
he is younger and, and um, I think he's a millennial. And so he does things a little bit differently. And I, some of the things that I like, he would definitely never think was cool because he's not me. So like, I love leopard print. I'm always going to love leopard print. So I had to show him, you know, these are some things I really like that I've seen in the web that I would like my website to look like. And he said, okay, can we have one that's not quite so loud? And I'm like, well, I am kind of loud. I like it. So we, you know, he just kind of muted it a little bit and, and made it a little more contemporary, but I could still have who I am. So see, there's, there, we had to talk through that because I still like the leopard print, but now it's a little more muted. It's not so in your face. I'm, um, I get to debut this website in like a couple of days. I'm so excited. So, I mean, I think that you're right. Communication's got to be open. <laughs> that communication's got to well, be open. Well, and I think like what you, said, what you said, that you were very specific at leopard print. And then here's some ideas, though, kind that I'm talking about. Then he pitches back, well, how about if we change it around and do it like this? But if you were to just say make a website I like and he never knew you liked leopard print, why would he ever go there out of the exactly. whole big world of options? No way could he have succeeded no. yeah, to meet your so I think it's really important, you guys, for us to get real clear about what we're looking for. And when, I, when I'm doing a new project, whether it's a book cover or a website or whatever, I actually go out and I find maybe a dozen that I really like. And I say, I like the font on this one. I like the background on this one. I like how open and airy this feels. I like the flowers yeah. over on here. And I like the stri- strip across the middle here, you know. And then the then the artist is able to go, oh, okay, I'm starting to get a feel for that. And, yeah. you know, it's just too big of a world. So I just, I thank you for letting us talk about this for a couple of minutes. Because I think yeah, people, of course. you know, you start a project and months later you haven't made any progress. Why? Because you didn't really have a very clear picture to begin with. I agree completely. That's a really good point. When you're writing um, books yourself, do you have the whole book? kind of in your head before you begin, or does it evolve? I think it's a little of both. I've never been much of an outliner. I mean, I'm, I write organically, but you do have to have sort of a roadmap to where you're going, or you're going to go on so many rabbit trails, you're going to lose your way. <laughs> so I am, at least I am. That's kind of how I think. So I think what's really helpful with that, especially for a um, for a nonfiction, you know, like 55,000-word book, I have to have a book proposal that's pretty solid. So, I mean, it's not only helpful in selling the book, but it's also like a roadmap. So if I, if I know the title, I know what, what the synopsis is, and then I can go do the, the little the chapter synopses under each one. It's a paragraph about what's going to be in that chapter. That works for both fiction and nonfiction. Then I know where the story is going, if it's fiction, or I know where the topic's going. And, and I always um, look for what's going to be that one theme that's going to run through the whole book. That way I won't get to the end and, it's, and it feels like something's lacking. Well, the lacking would be that cohesiveness is because I didn't plan. So I think you do have to plan a little bit. Give yourself the opportunity, the luxury of diverting from that plan if you find a better plan along the way. But I do like to have a plan, a little bit, of course, of where I'm going to be going so that once I reach there, I definitely haven't taken too many detours because my mind would take too many detours if I didn't have a plan. But that may just be me. I'm a little bit spastic sometimes. But that's how I have to do it. I have to have just sort of a, it's sort of a rough outline. And knowing what's going to be in each chapter and what that thread is that runs through the whole book that will pull it together. How about you? Is that what you do too? Yeah, I I'm very I'm very organized. My brain is super organized. So unless it's organized, (laughs) I can't even begin. It's like it's just I in fact I mean I have to do that with my day. I have to sit down and structure my day before I can go. Otherwise, I can just run around like a chicken with my head cut off and never get anything done. Uh, (laughs) But if I know what I'm supposed to do and when I'm supposed to do it, then I can be. Super, super productive. So that just helps. Yeah. It's just 
But I think that, you know, there are different people who that is not how God created you. He did not put you together in that way. And then you shouldn't try to be like that because it's not going to work. Mm-hmm. You're right. You have to you have to stay true to who you are. I think there's mm-hmm. there's ver- you have to be the best version of whatever that personality type that you are. Like like I'm never this is just I'm never going to be a morning person. I will never that can never happen for me. That's just I don't I'm not wired that way. My best writing is from like nine to like one or two in the morning. Like I that's mm-hmm. I am so productive. Then well, someone who's a morning person, they're they completely shut off about seven thirty. Like they can't seven thirty at night. They right. can't do it anymore. They're just they're done. <laughs> So um, I have to, you have to know what, what your best times are for work. You have to know whether you're a list maker and if you have to have a planner or a list to do when you get up so you know how your day is directed. My daughter, Allison's like that. She is super creative like her mom, but she, she if, like when we go on vacation, we'll say, Allison, honey, we need you to come and, um, you know, let the, feed the cats and take care of the cats. And then, you know, if we told her to water the plants this particular time, she'll do it. But the next time we go out of town, if we don't say, oh, and also water the plants, she won't do it. Like it's not on a list. We have to say again, right. take care of the cats and water the plants. Like we have to, if you don't say water the plants, she won't. That won't be on her radar. Like you have to be specific <laughs> with her. So I think you have to know if you are like her or right. if you're just kind of a wing it sort of a person. Yeah, right. you're right. right. So now having talked about this and different people in different ways and everything, there are some things that we all need to do in order to be the person that publishers and conference coordinators, and those kind of people want to work with. So let's hunker down into that for just a few minutes. How do we become the person that they want to work with? You know, there are obvious, the obvious things are just to be very um, very much in touch, to be that, that communicator that, uh, you know, when they ask you for your bio and your, and your picture and, and that kind of stuff, just make sure you get back with them because they're on a time frame. Every time that you – push them off there. They're having to push somebody else off. So just be sensitive to that, you know, especially when someone contacts me um, through um, speakers, you know, when they say, hey, we want you to come speak at our church. They're, they've got a timeline. They need me to, to actually get get stuff to them. So, you know, jump right on that. Be, be highly communicative. But also, I think um, this is something that I am, I think God just wired me this way, and I'm very grateful. But I also, I think it's because I've observed others who maybe aren't. When I'm, um, when I've gone to bigger conferences, and I've seen the speakers come out, you know, the some of the A-list, and you're just thinking, oh, that's so awesome. And they, um, they they don't communicate much with the crowd. Like, they don't really interact. They're kind of escorted in. It looks like little secret police people. <laughs> and then they're escorted out, and there's no interaction with the people or anything. And I think, huh. I mean, I know there has to be some of that. But I, I think the thing that um, that often means the most and gets you asked back to a lot of places, to, to a lot of places is when you are involved in the people. I mean, when you are there – just to say your your you know forty five minute talk and be done with them, that's anyone can do that. Well, not anyone, but most speakers can do that. But when you can invest in their people, you know, be there, be there early or or have sit, sit at the table and really engage in conversation, not make it all about you, and you know, pray with them around the altar and and that kind of thing, just to really just to be nice and just to just to interact with them. I remember holding babies and and just talking about. I mean, it was it just. You're invested in each other, and so I still get emails from people from every place I've ever taught. I, I, we're Facebook friends, and they follow up on my family, and they still pray for us. That only happens when there's that connection, and you can do some of that from the stage, but much that has to be done, like before and after. Like I'm, I'm always available just to talk and and to pray with people. I think that's that's something that makes um, conference directors really, really like you and want, want to come back because they know that you're there not just about yourself, just to get a paycheck or to sell your books, but you're really there for the people. 
you are there to really bless them. It's about them. It's not about you. So just being others focused is, I think, a big thing no matter what kind of uh, situation you're in. And with publishers, you know, simple things like hitting deadlines. And um, I always kind of try to go above and beyond, you know, provide backliner copy, even if they didn't ask for it or some tweetables or things like that, just things that, that would be helpful. Um, I often write my own press releases to send into the cities to help the conference directors meet the, the number of people that they want. Just anything that I think going the extra mile says a lot about, about you. And um, it just anything you can do to make an editor's job easier on their, their end, they're so going to love you. And I also think thank you notes are, are underrated. I think, you, you know, not just an email <laughs> to say thank you, but we've kind of lost that form because of all the – the, the phones and the texting and the and everything that we do online, but boy, to get a handwritten thank you note that just makes your day. So I I just in fact I got some new thank you cards today. Even they're so cute, money. They're they're turquoise and they've got a black and white zebra striped heel on them. They're so adorable, <laughs> like a little perfume bottle. There and I thought, oh, I'll use those when I say thank you to people. And so that's that's those are going to be my new thank you cards. But I think it's important to send those, even if it's just to drop a note and say, boy, I really enjoyed being with the people at your church. Thank you for having me. That kind of thing. I'm sure you, that you you probably teach all of that, but those are some of the st- things that that I've seen. That I've observed other people when they do that. It means a lot to me. Yeah, for sure. I think let's go back to the speaking invites. Boy, the the faster you can get back to an inquiring planner, the better. Because mm-hmm. like you say, first of all, they have a deadline. They probably are putting together a short list for their yes. committee. And uh, the other thing I always say is, if you have their phone number, call them. Everybody just emails back, but if you're the one that calls, they've heard your voice, they've heard your energy, they've, they feel like they know you more, uh, mm-hmm. excellent way. And if you have enough information from that planner, just send them a little private video that you just, you know, if you have a setup that you can do that, just shoot a little video and say, hi, Carol, I'm excited about your upcoming women's conference and I'd love to come share with you. Can't wait to meet you. Give me a call or I can call you, you know, just anything you can do to bubble kind of to the surface of all of the speakers they're considering because it's a big world out there again. And so if you want to bubble to the top, you have to just be, um, be like you say, be professional, be the one that they want to work with. I love that phrase. Be the one they want to work with. Um, Once you're there again, and even in advance, I just, we cannot overemphasize the need for you not to be a prima donna for you to actually be a real person. Mm -hmm. Please just, Unless you're just an icky person to begin with, just be yourself and they're going to love you. <laughs> <laughs> and if you're an icky person, you work on that first. <laughs> oh, that's good. Yes. Unless you're icky, be yourself. That's right. <laughs> yeah. But you know, I mean, so many planners, I can't tell you how many planners, when I get there and afterwards, they're like, we're so happy you didn't just stay in the speaker's room. Yeah, you know, that's exactly you. right. Like, yeah. really? Because to me, to me, the whole purpose of going is for the women who are there. Obviously, I'm going for Jesus, but for Jesus to be able to communicate through me his love to the women who are there. And I so it's imperative. Set your set your expectations of being treated like a princess uh, for some mm-hmm. other time. Your husband can do that on your anniversary. <laughs> Amen. Amen, sister. I love that. And you know what else I think, too? I've heard, I've heard some women kind of make excuses before when I've made that point. Well, I use that time, you know, 
just to prepare to be back in the speaker room. And my my thought is, you know what, if you're not prepared by the time it's 30 to 40 minutes before you speak, you probably have not managed your time very well. Like, that is not the time to prepare. You better be ready to go, like, you know, days before that. Like, I don't understand that thinking. That's the time I used to prepare. Well, I don't under, you know, pray on the car ride on the way over, but but I think that's the time that you should be interacting with the people. So um, that's, I guess that's just a personal thing, but I love that. I love that you said that. I've heard that before too. Wow. We were so surprised you didn't just camp out in the speaker's room. Well, no, actually, in fact, I, I taught Zumba the night before with you guys. And when you get sweaty with everybody, you're, you're up close and personal. I mean, we just, that was kind of an impromptu thing. We were like, Oh yeah, I do Zumba. You guys want to do some Zumba? We just, you know, like those are the things that people remember. And, and that's what you want. You want to be remembered fondly and you want to make an impact. And also that breaks down those, those crazy barrier walls where they think, well, I could never be like that, or how can I relate to this person? They don't know me. But they, they will feel more like they know you and they can trust you what you have to say if you've already been real with them in pre, pre-speaking up on the stage. Right, absolutely. Yeah. So let's go ahead and talk about publishers for a minute. It's back to the same kind of bottom line. If you're not a prima donna, they're going to really love you because, honestly, they don't have time to be your mother. Um, they just have many, many little chickens, uh, little chickies all over the place that they're keeping track of. And if you can be the mature one that really mostly takes care of yourself and your own stuff, and you can even like, I loved your idea of sending in tweetables. I actually come up with like when I have a new book coming up, I come up with like 45 to 90 questions that a blogger could typically ask me about my book or a, a newspaper yeah. reporter. And I write the answers out, and then they can go ahead and send it. The work is done for everybody. The bloggers can just copy and paste the ones they want. Um, there's there's all kinds of things that we can do to help uh, the people who are helping us. And I think that that's the mindset. Maybe is instead so of just good. waiting for them to help us, uh, how can I help you? How can I help you? That's help me? so good. Help the people who are helping us. I'm gonna. I'm totally gonna steal that. I love that. Help the people who are helping us. That's what you do. That's how you become the one that they that they call back on. That that's the one. That's exactly what you do. You don't want to. And also, I always tell people. You know, I, I know when you write a book, like every word is your baby. Like and you birthed this thing, and, and you, right. I mean, it's just you're so married to it. Yeah. You've lived with it yeah. for years. Sometimes, you know, but. When they come back and have an edit or a suggestion, don't be that person who's like, well, now God gave this to me exactly as it was, and you can't change A to the. That's not going to work. That is so not good. That They're never going to want to work with you. You want to be the person that says, okay, let's talk about this. How can we make this better? I mean, nobody likes edits. Nobody says, oh, great, let's change this entire section. That's exactly what I wanted to do today. But you have to be that person that's flexible and realizes that they want the book to be just as, as successful as you do. And there's a reason they didn't think it was clear. So let's work together to make this the best product we can make it so that it can actually have the powerful message that you were hoping it would have. They're not, they're not your enemy. They're, they're actually on your team. You have to see it as such. And then don't be afraid to suggest things. Like, I just had this happen today. I'm, I'm getting ready to head to um, this, this kind of a, a conference where I'm, we're doing a book launch. And I noticed there was going to be media there, and they hadn't scheduled any, any interviews. And so I, I, one of my other publishers had, and they hadn't. And I just thought, well, they probably don't know because it's the first year for it. So I just happened to message the publicist not to be like, um, why haven't you scheduled us any interviews? I didn't do that. I just called her and said, hey, didn't know if you knew or not. It's the first year this company is doing this, this particular event. They've got media there. Do you think it would be okay if, if I reached out, or would you like to reach out on behalf of our new book with your company? Well, she didn't know, and she was thrilled that I told her, and guess what? She got right on that, and it was done, like, within the hour. 
But, mm-hmm. you know, rather than sending a hateful email, why haven't you done this? Just, just always, I think this is something I learned from my dad. Always believe the best in people. You know, in First right. Corinthians 13, it says love believes the best. Like always believe the best in people and just that they didn't know. And then you, you can help out, make that suggestion. I think that's that attitude and just even the, the way you approach it, um, just being helpful, not being judgmental, will go a lot further. What's the old expression about you'll catch more flies with honey than you will vinegar? I mean, I think that's <laughs> that old expression and rings true. Right, exactly. And it kind of segues into our next point, which is there is a secret to enjoying the journey on the way to where you're going. And what would you say the secret is? I think there are a couple of secrets, but I think the biggest one is just to trust God in the journey. I always think of Hannah. That's one of my favorite stories. I actually have one of my talks about this is, you know, if if Hannah had known that she was going to have this child of promise, I think those treks to and from every year when she had to go and walk with the other wife who had all these children, that had to be so hard for her because she couldn't have kids. And, and, and Penina the whole time, you know, she's like, Oh, you didn't have any children. Oh, I'm the favorite, but she really wasn't the favorite. I just think if Hannah had known the waiting wouldn't have been as hard for her. She could have known that, yes, but I've got such a blessing coming that I can be okay with it. I can love, I can, I can trust God, but God doesn't always show us the the end from the beginning. He had to trust that he does know the end from the beginning and has been in every part of it already. And you can trust right. him with your career, with your speaking, with your message, with your books, with your marriage, with your kids. You can trust him in every area. And I think if I could go back and tell my 25-year-old self what I know, what I know now, it would be to just enjoy every phase. Not always looking for the next big thing, but just to rest in what God's doing today because today's important for what he's got tomorrow. And, and it's good to be, have goals. I love to set goals and, and to reach those goals. But in the goal setting, include God, because that's not every good thing is a God thing. So just involve him in everything that you're doing so that you don't make decisions that are going to make you frantic and stressed and not really be a part of the path that he has for you. That's what I would tell my 25-year-old self. And that would have made me enjoy some parts of the journey maybe more than I did because I would have been joyful in, in the comings and goings because I would know that they're all part of his plan. I think that's that sometimes as as driven people, the type A people, we often are always looking to the next thing instead of enjoying the moment that we're in, which is also a blessed, it's a blessed state if you'll just look at it with that with those eyes. So that that's part of enjoying the journey is just that mindset of enjoying the here and now while you're still looking forward for the next thing and preparing and being prepared, planning is sure all of that. But boy, you got you got to you got to enjoy where you're at. I, isn't Joyce Meyer that once said, "Enjoy where you're going on the way to," or was it "Enjoy where you're at you on the way to where yes. you're going"? Yeah. And I, I love that. When she said that, I thought, man, that rings true. I love that, Joyce. She's so good. She is amazing. And just, yeah, you can listen to her over and over and over, even hear the same stories over and over and just go, wow, still got something so fresh out of that. Yeah, she really is. I just love, I just love listening to her. She has a wonderful ministry and style. And she's just so honest and vulnerable. I think what, I think maybe that's what we all loved about her first was she was one of the first people who really got super vulnerable. You know, mm-hmm. and just like, you know, I'm real, just real. so real yeah. and wrong. Yeah. yeah, like I, she would tell you things like, well, yeah, Dave and I had a big fight on the way to church and the dog threw up on the carpet. And you're like, me too. You know, you're like, you just right. all of a sudden, that, that, that way you thought about them on this pedestal or just that came mm-hmm. under your level. And you went, oh, my gosh, we could be friends. And then and then wow. I'll trust anything she to say, even with the hard stuff after she's 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 made herself real to me, then I can hear and receive those hard messages even when I need to hear the most because I now right. trust her. We all should right. remember that when we're speaking. Yeah, mm-hmm. I agree. Yeah, so one of the things that you say 
is that you can be good at lots of things, but you can only be great at a few. So tell us what's your heart behind that. I have learned that one the hard way. <laughs> I mean, boy, have I, because, you know, there are, there are some things you're going to be geared more towards. Your giftings are going to make you stand out in the crowd in a certain, certain few areas. Um, because I'm driven, and, and I think a lot, of, a lot of us who are separate from this, we think we can be great at everything. And so the problem is we don't know how to say no. In fact, I, I, this is a true story. My sister knows I have a problem. I've always had a problem with saying no, whether it's, you know, to directing a VBS program or, you know, throwing the next women's conference at the church, which, you know, is a huge undertaking, or, you know, writing the new play for the Christmas musical because they want an original and they know I'm a writer. Just saying yes to everything, never saying no. And then I'm, I'm so stressed out, I don't even know what my name is. Like, but I, I, God didn't tell me to say yes to all those things. I just say yes because I don't want to disappoint anybody. I'm a people pleaser. And I know I can, I know if you give me the assignment, I, I can do it. I'll figure it out. And I, and I'll hit my deadline. That's just who I am. And that's why people ask me to do things. Cause I'm sure if I say I'll do it, I'm going to get it done. Problem with that is, is you can be the person that's, that's got everything on their shoulders and you do lots of things adequately or good, but nothing's great because you haven't really honed in on the one thing that you're really great at. But so my sister knew I had a problem with this. She got me a book about saying no about setting boundaries. And there's no kidding, a lady from our church asked to borrow that book, and I couldn't say no, and I never got it back. So I this has been an area That's I've been crazy. kind of attaining in over the years, but I will say that once I've kind of figured out where I'm, where I'm most suited and what I'm really best at, because I've explored a lot of different areas, that's where I put all my eggs. I really, I know these are the three things that God's called me to do, and so I'm going to really um, I work on those and become not just good here, but great here. I'm going to listen for God. I'm going to listen to podcasts while I get ready. I'm, I'm going to um, learn from those in this genre and this genre or in this particular task that are better than I am and really aspire to be better because I don't just want to be good. I want to be great here. I want God to really shine through me here. And I, it's, you can't be spread too thin over too many areas. You have to kind of figure out what – and then it'll take a bit to figure out what those areas are. That's why I said don't let don't define yourself, let God define you. But once he does, go with those. Really really um be be very possessive of your time and protective of it. That you don't say yes to too many things and be adequate at a lot and not great at anything because you said yes too many times to things that God really didn't want you to say yes to. I know when I teach time management, I share the thing that changed it for me because I was that person who did that. Just I hate saying no. And I could say no if I wasn't like looking at you like on the phone or in the email, I could say no. But gosh, if you were giving me the puppy eyes right here and you're yeah. just, you know, my love, no, I, have to say, I cannot say no. And then I just learned, I learned the saying. Every time I say yes to something, I have said no to something else. Every time I say no to something, I have said yes to something else. And while the person was giving me the puppy eyes, I'd be thinking, but if I say yes to this person right now, who am I saying no to? And if I'm saying no to, you know, just like vegging out or something, then just say no. Mm -hmm. Just say yes. Say yes. But if, if I'm saying no to my children, if I'm saying no to the project God has me working on, if I'm saying no to taking care of me, if I'm saying no to something that God had called me to first, then I'm, I, really, I really do need to say no to the person. I need to yeah. say no to them so I can say yes. And I just say, it's how I get to say yes to God every single time. I get to say yes to God every single time, mm. sometimes by saying no to somebody else. And that helps a lot because I know it is terribly difficult especially like you say mm-hmm. when you know you could do it you know you could stretch mm-hmm. it that far 
Yeah. <laughs> yeah, because we you know we'll figure it out. I have a good friend who has had she directed VBS for years and she does just a fabulous job. She's just an amazing woman of God anyway. But her girls are, are they were the same age as my girls, like actually one year younger. And they're both graduating like back to back and, and that's when VBS would take place. It was like right after graduation and you know, you've got the open houses and all the things you do to get them ready for college and, and she was stressed out and, and finally our, her mom and a couple of friends were like you know, somebody else can step up and take this over for a couple of years so you can actually be the mom you want to be. You, you, you can't do it all. And, like, you're, you're, she's also work full-time job. And she finally, it was, she just almost couldn't do it. She was so afraid somebody wouldn't step up. But guess mm-hmm. what? Somebody did, and they turned out just fine. And she was just so happy to be able to not have to miss one thing with her daughters. It's like I think sometimes we get so afraid that nobody else could do it maybe as well as we could do it. And that becomes an issue of pride. And I suffer from that sometimes, too. I'm like, Yes, but I know I could really do this well. Well, guess what? Somebody else can too. God, God has other people he could use. Like you aren't the only one. So make sure that he's not um, saying that this is the thing you're supposed to do. And if he isn't, exactly what you said. Say yes to him and no to this. I'm going to always think about that now. That is so smart. I, I think that, that will give us freedom to say no because we're, we're kind of putting off on God. You know what? He's got me on this over here. And if I say yes to this, I'm going to have to say no to God. And I never want to say no to him. That's really good, Marnie. I like that. Well, you know, and he's really got to get in our attention. If he really wants you to do it and you said no, guess what? He can he can bring it back around. <laughs> Boy, that's the truth, yeah. <laughs> that's awesome. I love how you have said a couple times during this interview that you had to learn things the hard way. And that's one of the things that I love this show because we get to kind of um, shorten the learning curve for you guys, and you don't have to learn every last thing the hard way. And what what my line when I was raising my kids when they were younger, I would always say, God, I just want to learn without the spanking. If I could, please just learn from words. <laughs> you know, and so, you know, that's one of the, my goals with these is just to provide really helpful information that can shorten the learning curve, help you to be able to learn from words instead of always from the personal pain of doing it wrong. And one of the things that was clear throughout this hour is just the the dependence on God to orchestrate. And he has surely blessed you, uh, Michelle, with so many books published out there with success in your books. And I am so excited about that. But for those of you who are listening and you've got one book that you've just been struggling and struggling and struggling to get done, or it's out there, but it's not selling. Just go back to Jesus and just ask him, what do you want me to do next? Because Michelle, I think that that's what you would say too, right? Just what should I do next? I think that's, I mean, this is the thing that that people always ask at conferences when they, you know, they want to sell more books. They're like, you know, you've got, what's the secret? I mean, there are lots of practical things you can do. And I've named a couple in this call. But I think absolutely the first thing to do is just say, Lord, did I miss a window? I I know you can bring that back around. What is it that I need to do here? If there's something I need to be doing, please let me know. And, Father, I just thank you for your favor. It says in the Bible that you crown us with your glory and honor. So I thank you that you have favor upon me and upon this book and that you're going to open doors that no man can shut. And, Lord, help me to be obedient and not fearful to walk through those doors that you open for me at the exact time. Help me not to miss any of those divine appointments that you have on my path today, tomorrow, and the rest of my life. If you'll pray those kinds of prayers every day, you almost can't mess it up because he's going to provide those, those times for you just to walk through those doors. And that's how I start every day. Lord, I just, today's yours. Just help me not to miss any of those appointments that you might have for me. Help me to walk through those doors that you have. I think when you, when you go at it with that attitude, 
It just makes the journey a little sweeter, and it makes you a whole lot less stressed. And every day is kind of exciting. Do your practical stuff. Get your business cards. Get your website up. Do all the things that, that, that you're trained to do that you learned actually from you, Marnie. We learned all this stuff. Do all that stuff. Get all that ready. Do, do the stuff while you wait. Because that scripture about waiting on the Lord doesn't mean like sitting on the dock of the bay waiting. When you look up that word and you study it out, waiting means like serving, like a waiter serves. So, you know, find out, find out how you can better serve the Lord and what he's called you to do, and he's going to do the rest. It's like he adds his super to your natural, and we know what you get when you add supernatural together, and it's amazing. <laughs> oh, so beautiful. Well, this time has just flown by. Michelle, thank you so much for joining us today. Oh, I've loved it. Thank you so much for having me. Really, I've enjoyed it. And you guys want to check out Michelle's ministry and speaking availability as well as her books and her writing over at her website, which is her name, michellemetlockadams.com. And over at womenspeakers.com, you can find her right under Indiana. She'll show right up there. Again, thanks for being here. I hope you guys have a wonderful day, and we'll see you next time on Perspective Transformation. Thank you for joining us for this edition of Perspective Transformation Radio, changing the world one perspective at a time. Learn more about today's guest at www.perspectivetransformation.com, more about our sponsor at womenspeakers.com, and swing over and visit me at marnie.com. Feel free to share this program with your friends and social networks and listen live every Wednesday afternoon or catch the archives at Blog Talk Radio, iTunes, Stitcher, or your favorite site. Have a wonderful rest of your day and see you next time.